Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. Feels like a long time since we've been back in the studio. Well, we're in our home studios now, so we're uh, <laughs> yeah, in our home. got our pillow fortresses uh, going down. Hey, we just had our annual culture and leadership conference just recently, obviously online, as we unfortunately can't be face-to-face just yet, but maybe next year. But we had a Q&A running as, as part of it in the conversations, and one of the questions that came up there sparked my interest a little, and it was to do with mobilizing middle managers. Right. Mm. And, and I guess it was kind of in the culture context, but I think, you know, even more generally, right? I know sometimes that middle management layer is sometimes referred to as the frozen middle, you know, yeah. and, and stuff like this. And so it just begged a question for me, you know, how, if that's how people see it, how do we help them get unstuck, you know, unfrozen? Yeah. If you like. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Such a good question and I I think that we see when we look at our culture data, what we see is that even in some circumstances where the executive team is experiencing constructive culture, which is not unusual, but even if the level below them are experiencing constructive culture, the next level down is when the defensive seems to kick in. So, look, I think that the middle management level a bit maligned and misunderstood sometimes. And if you think about it, they're kind of stuck in the middle there. On the one hand, it falls to them to operationalize strategy, Mm -hmm. to organize, coordinate, make sure that strategy plans and objectives are being implemented and executed, often with a lower resource base than they need. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, they're having to manage up and to filter and to translate everything that's coming down. And on the other hand, they're also having to deal with the day-to-day people issues and operational issues that emerge as well. So I think it's actually quite a a, a challenge to be a middle manager because so much is expected of you. We talk a lot about leadership you know, and we kind of managers, management seems to be the poor cousin, but, you know, there is a need to manage activities and coordinate and manage functions and, and people, so coordinate in the organisation. So I think it's an often judged group in organisations. So I think it's a difficult role. I also think that often culture work and even leadership development is concentrated at the senior level. Mm -hmm. So let's say leadership development, often it's executive level and the next level down, or it might be the two top levels and then we might go to frontline leader and then there's a whole middle management area that gets only a, a slice of what their senior leaders got. So I think we need to take some responsibility for whether we've actually supported our middle managers to be effective. I think my experience has been that, you know, in some organisations it is true that does feel like a frozen middle because managers at that level 
can come across as being lacking energy and being tired, I think sometimes that's because they've seen a lot of change and the implementation of change ends up being dropped on them. So I think part of it is that that resistance that we can sometimes see can be that they've never really properly been brought on the journey. No one's never really asked them what they think about it. And yet they're a crucial group, right? Because they're the ones that actually know what goes on day to day. So I think part of the reason they can be difficult to shift, and I think that sometimes there's, they've got a lot on. So I, I know when I was a young manager all those years ago, <laughs> that there used to be middle management used to be a, a place and a time in your career where you could learn lessons of leadership. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think there was a lot of flattening out of that. And so middle management roles have a much greater span of control. And so they've got a lot more to do in little time. So I think I want to kind of advocate for middle managers a little bit and say, I think that there are reasons sometimes why they can feel hard to shift. And some of it is because change is often being done to them rather than with them. And so I think, how do you mobilize middle managers? I think you get them involved as early as possible. So I think sometimes you know, Dom, that I'm a big fan of crowdsourcing vision and crowdsourcing mm. values and a cultural goal. And the reason I'm really passionate about that is because I think then everybody owns it. And I think that that's part of the key to get middle managers involved early as you're thinking through. Sometimes when middle managers raise issues, logistics issues, problems with being able to implement things, I think they're seen as blockers. Whereas I think in a different light, what they're really saying is this might be difficult to pull off for these reasons. So, you know, sometimes if you can listen to what they've got to say, if you involve them early, it's not about just getting them on side. It's about really listening to them and hearing what they've got to say and the advice that they've got to give around how to set the initiative or the program up for success. Mm. Yes, I think... You know, often if we come in to organizations, you know, and, and there's any kind of change initiative, you know, the execs are often on board because they're the ones who have, you know, bankrolled it or okayed it or green greenlit it. And frontline are often on board because they're kind of excited about the change potentially. You know, it's um quite exciting. But there there can be that resistance in the middle. And I think about, you know, and to what you're saying, just like in the how culture works model. Right? How do you set up the environment for middle managers to be successful right? and to be motivated and stuff like that? And I know I work with a number of executive teams and, and say, if we're talking culture transformation, the first question I'll ask them is, what, what's the strategy? What are we trying to achieve? And so often I get executive teams who are like, oh, we've got it written down somewhere and they, they go look it up on the computer and they download it and it's like this massive document. You know, and sometimes I laugh because it's like a plan on a page, except they've made the font like three, three point <laughs> font so we can fit in everything, which is missing the on, point. On the page. So it's on the page technically, but it's like, yeah, I've got to zoom in to like 300 times zoom to read it. And so for me, it's like, how are we setting up the rest of the organization, particularly middle managers, to be successful? You know, so if we can't succinctly describe what it is we're trying to achieve and what the strategy is, what hope do they have really of? either executing it or getting behind it in the first place, you know? Mm. And I also hear, you know, where often executives are like, oh, you know, the middle manager layer, they're not taking ownership. They're not, 
you know, making stuff happen using their initiative. And again, I think how are we setting the, up the environment for them to do so, you know, and to be successful? Are we, for people to take ownership, they actually have to be given ownership, right? So as you're saying, yeah. how do we involve them? Yeah. How do we get them to come up with the plan, right, rather than just giving them the plan? I agree, Dom. I think it is about setting, how do we set middle managers up for success? And I think if we take a moment and pause and you really think about the position of middle managers, we talked about the fact that they've got a larger span of control. Mm. They have to operationalize the strategy, yeah. you know, against the backdrop of not having as much autonomy or flexibility as their leaders and the leaders above them. And so they're in a position where they've got to deliver, they're accountable for delivering and executing. And often some of the constraints might be that they don't set the time frame necessarily or they don't have all the resources or the autonomy. So I think the other kind of challenge and opportunity with middle managers with culture work is to help them see that you're not adding to their task list. Mm -hmm. You're not asking them to do anything extra. Mm. What you're really asking them to do is to think differently about how they do what they've got on their list. Mm. Because I think the resistance comes from people feeling like, oh, it's another thing that I've got to do. Mm. Whereas I think that it's really about getting them to focus on what are their current objectives and how are they delivering them? Because culture is really about how you deliver it. It's not necessarily about adding more work. It's about how that work's being conducted. So I think that that kind of education and engagement around how we do what we do and helping them to understand how it might be a benefit. I remember by way of an example we were working with an organization. This was actually a frontline leader group, not a middle manager, but I think the principle still applies. And they were going to be a tough group to engage for all the reasons that I've just talked about. They have a lot of work that they need to get through. And we kind of realized that we needed a hook. We needed some way of getting them question or something to help them think through and see the benefit of what this culture work was doing and this leadership development work that we were doing with them, training. And our question was this, is it easier to do your job when your people want to do theirs? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and so it was a kind of a, a, we started every session with that question and it wasn't, we weren't trying to trap them. It was a genuine question. Did they think that this was true? and under what circumstances. And so we started with the question and to start a conversation that we were genuinely interested in. And in that way, they invariably came to the decision that, yes, it would be easier if their people wanted to do their job. That took a lot of pressure off them having to kind of, you know, oversight and push people, Mm -hmm. which is how they felt they were in. So I think the same idea can be applied to middle managers is, you know, is it easy to do your job if your people want to do theirs? And the answer's got to be a yes. And so then it's a question of helping them understand not just the what and the why, but how they can leverage this to their benefit, you know, to save time, get better results, motivate people and, you know, share responsibility rather than carry it all on their shoulders. Can it be sometimes the the pushback, Corinne, is, you know, well, you know, the executive team or my leader, 
needs to sort out themselves first kind of stuff, you know, like how can I, how can we be constructive if they're doing this and that? Yeah. And at one level, it's like I kind of agree with them, you know, at one level, it's like if we're not getting clear instructions, if there's not alignment at the top and we're trying to resolve those conflicts, you know, in the middle, I do kind of agree with that. But at the same time, we can all wait for someone else to to do stuff, you know, like what can we do? So I, I guess, you know, where's the balance there or, or what can middle managers do rather than just kind of waiting for Godot, you know, to come along? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we've talked a bit about, you know, when managers might be judged a little bit unfairly. What about those times when they're saying that they can't do anything unless, you know, their leaders change beforehand? Look, I think in principle and in an ideal world, I get why they would say that, but I don't accept it as a reason not to Mm. invest in change yourself. So I think that, as you said, I think if you don't make other people responsible for what you want or what might be of benefit to you and your team, I think that the important thing for everybody, every lead in an organisation, every middle manager is to look at what their locus of control is and what they can influence and to work there. And sometimes, look, I've worked in organisations on culture where they've been part of a bigger international group and they've had no real sense of empowerment. What we are all in control of is our Mm behaviour. And so I think, you know, the argument that our leaders need to change first, yep, I don't argue that but I don't think it's a reason to stop you changing what's within your area of influence. I think anybody can do that. And even small changes can make a big difference. So I kind of accept that argument to a point and then I challenge it and say, look, you know, we can wait around forever, but if you could get an immediate benefit now, you know, in taking one small step, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you take it on board? Mm, absolutely. Hey, just picking up your point earlier as well, you know, we you talked about how early in your career, you know, that middle management step was really a learning step and it was kind of that development stage and how now we thinned out a lot of middle management. We made structures flatter, which means essentially middle managers now have a ton of people reporting to them much more than before. Mm. I guess on that, so, you know, if we're missing – well, what what I hear when you say that is it's not such a development step as it was, or is it like a big step into that position because you've got such a span of control? Or yeah, and and, uh, and then I guess it's how do we support managers in that? You know, so what kind of development or you know activity yeah. should we be doing? Oh, so many levels to that question, Tom. <laughs> At one level, I think what I noticed was when you thin out the middle managers, it means that the area of responsibility can get bigger and the span of control can get wider so that what that means is it drives them more into task one level. The other thing that I noticed is that there's less learning and developing of experience before you get into a senior role. And so very often some of what I've seen in executive teams is that they're not necessarily operating at the right level and partly it's because they've either got a new team or an experienced team or they've come from the middle management straight into a senior role. So none of, you know, all of that can be corrected, developed and supported with development. So, but I think 
one of the things that disappeared from having a few more layers, there's a lot of difficulty with it, don't get me wrong, was that there was more of a kind of a learning. Also, I think it's a different world now and we're organized a little bit differently. So I think what can we do to support that learning and development? I think one of the things is to make sure that what we're asking middle managers to do is realistic. Okay, so to set challenging but make them fair and realistic and timelines realistic, I think involve them in setting the goals and the timeline so that that in itself is a form of achievement orientation by involving people in setting their own goals and it also means you increase the ownership of it as and, well. And objectives that they can actually impact. You know, sometimes yeah, they see objectives stuff that, that they, can, they, can't, they don't actually have an impact or control over that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I call that kind of you've got to kind of measure them on something that is what I call controllable <laughs> so that their effort would actually make a difference to it yeah. versus something that's market dependent that they don't have any control over. Mm. So I think that's important. The other thing that I think is important is that I think one of the things that we used to do a lot more of in the corporate world is actually just management training. I think it kind of fell a little bit by the wayside. We went straight into leadership. And I think that the leadership is super important, but there is a place for management. And there are important skills that managers bring around uh, resource allocation, managing of goals, managing change, coordinating, you know, across interdependencies. So I think that there are some very skill, skill heavy areas that would really support managers to do their roles effectively. And to teach them to do that in a constructive way is a very powerful lever in creating constructive culture. I also think that once you've got that really fundamental kind of skill set in managing, it helps you to be a really good leader, you know, because you, you, you know how to do that kind of foundational level management. You're not dropping into it. And that's what we see a lot of is still you have a lot of people in leadership who are still effectively managing mm. versus leading. Mm. So I think there is a I think there is a need to do a bit more skill development in the middle management area. Not the kind of, you know, sometimes it was so in kind of the earlier years that I, you know, was coming up in management, there was a lot of kind of training programs that were just rolled out and people went to them but didn't really get a lot of value. So I think something more targeted for each organisation because yeah. I think that, you know, when you're developing a leader, you build the awareness of their behaviour, for example, with LSI and, and LI or, you know, any of our impact. So you build awareness and you help them understand the impact that they're having. And if you want them to change that impact, you know, part of what you've got to help them do is train them, support them to learn a new skill set that can be demonstrated through new habits and leadership routines. And I think that that's the missing piece often in culture work, why we have a frozen middle, because they probably don't get enough focus and attention. It's interesting that you're just triggering a thought for me, you know, and if I think of our work, often, as you alluded to earlier, we're, we're brought in at the executive level or maybe executive minus one and or frontline. Yeah. Right, it's kind of either yeah. either end, and and not so often in the middle. But 
some clients I've seen who are really successful in it did target the middle. Now, look, I know sometimes, but you know, budgets, you can't have individual coaching and all that kind of stuff. But one we've used, which few people know about, is our management effectiveness profiling system or MAPS, mm. which is a skill based diagnostic, really. So it's the skills of management. And I often think if you have a really positive MAPS score, you'll have a constructive LSI too, you know, yeah. because fundamentally those skills are what makes up that perception of your behavior. That's anyway, right. and the advantage of MAPS is, I mean, it's relatively cheap and you don't need to actually be accredited to run it. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a way of working with the middle, you know, when I know, look, in human synergistics land, I'd love everyone to do an LSI, but I know for lots of organizations, that's just not practical, right? That's just not possible. But this is another way of, of actually doing some development at that level Mm. And it's not as deep and, and so on. Sure, it's more skills-based, as you say. But we start unlocking some of those skills, right? Mm. And, and we can even, you know, if we're doing a, if it's part of a culture change initiative, right, we can actually relate the skills to what kind of message would it send culturally mm. um, as well mm. from this manager. So it can be a way of getting them going, getting them involved, which is maybe slightly more practical or slightly you know, cheaper, essentially. And I, I think, you know, like when we um, researched in Great Company, both editions, one of the things that came out of our research was that the organisations that were successful in cultural change mm. did three things. So first thing was that they really built this level of leadership and underpinned by sort of self-awareness of how I think and how my thinking shapes how I show up. Mm. They also did training. Mm. <laughs> like training often isn't seen as being that we would talk about development these days, but they did some really practical skill building training mm. that gave leaders tools and the opportunity to practice certain skills that would take them to another level mm. um, from a cultural point of view. And the third thing that they did was to revise their systems and processes with this new awareness. So sometimes when people get into cultural change, and I think this might be one of the reasons why middle managers get a bit disaffected, is sometimes the first people thing that people will work on is systems and process. But to change a systems and process without the awareness, you get a different product than if you do that work after, you know, leaders are more aware so the three organizations, they were the organizations, that's what they did was that strong leadership training and s specific design and systems change based on their needs. Underpinning all of that was this idea of reflexivity. So this idea that I can see myself in relationship to others. Yeah. And so I think this idea of how do we take middle managers on the journey, development and training. And even I think we talked about skill bases, but one of the things that we've noticed and we've done, we've seen a lot of success with is when a group of leaders, middle managers will go through the LSI. And if you do the LSI one and two, but you link them to even, you know, to one module or two modules that shows them how to apply the insight to managing their people, that that's very powerful. 
because that's often when the insight from the LSI 1 and 2 actually lands, Mm. when they can understand the practical application of it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Corinne, I think, um, you know, that's given me some clues anyway around mobilising, you know, middle managers. And it's such an important topic because I think people often struggle with it. And we've got great stuff for people new to management. We've got great stuff at the top of management. But how do we set up the conditions for our middle managers to win? You know, and so I, I love those ideas around not not only seeing the environment so they can do that, um, but giving them the support and development they need to actually be successful. Because I think it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge unlock for a lot of organizations. We're really missing out by not getting the most out of that level. So thanks for all your tips today and I'll see you on another podcast. Sure will. See you soon, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.